Hey folks, Mike here uh, on this episode of Mountain and Marsh. Dave Palmer calls in from up in Ontario, Canada to talk kayak duck hunting and Punisher Waterfowl. He is part of the Punisher Waterfowl group, um, the 0430 podcast, and a serious kayak duck hunter. Uh, go check out Dave Palmer and the Punisher Waterfowl crew over on Instagram and Facebook. They do a lot of cool work on YouTube. Be sure to follow along. And make sure you stick around to the end of this podcast because Dave's got some really cool gear and tips that he utilizes, little tricks he utilizes every time he's out kayak duck hunting that you might not think of but will make a big difference in the way you set up your kayak to duck hunt. Uh, just so everybody knows, recently started working a little bit with True Blue Broadheads out of Australia. If anybody is looking to get into um, some solid machined broadheads or uh, their patented crossbreed broadhead setup, Go check all that out, truebluebroadheads.com or on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, Dylan and I over here at Mountain and Marsh just started working with them a little bit. Um, other than that, man, I hope everybody enjoys a really good, uh, informative podcast. And uh, thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Ward Business Group, Central Maryland's premier construction management and general contracting company. They are licensed and insured and provide a full range of services and products. Their services include, but are not limited to, lawn and landscape, excavation and land clearing, welding and custom fabrication, and snow removal. They also have products for sale, such as sand, stone, mulch, and firewood. Ward Business Group serves Central Maryland and the surrounding areas. Ward Business Group is an affiliate of Invisible Fence brand of Carroll County and Invisible Fence brand of Delmarva. Check them out on Facebook via their website, or you can contact Justin Ward with any inquiries at 410-984-4020. Hey everybody, I'm here with Dave Palmer with Punisher Waterfowl. We're going to talk a little bit of kayak duck hunting. Uh, Dave, why don't you introduce yourself and kind of tell everybody where you're from. Yeah, my name's Dave Palmer. Um, I'm from Concordia, Ontario, uh, right on the Lake Huron. Uh, yeah, I've been kayak hunting now for about 15 years. So. Well, why don't you let everybody know what uh, Punisher Waterfowl is and the... Uh, it, how do you how do you say it? Is it 0430 or 0430 podcast? Uh, the zero four thirty podcast. So, yeah, the Punisher Waterfowl is our um, kind of our lifestyle clothing and community brand. Um, with that, it's my business partner Damien. He uh, he started it when he was in the military. He was overseas, and it was kind of a way to get people together so that he could have more people to hunt with when he came back 
um, came back home. And then uh, after a couple of years, it kind of grew and he needed some help. So he reached out and I jumped on board with him and, and we've just been going full tilt from it. Um, and basically we like to, we're looking at hunter recruitment, getting new hunters involved. Um, we're looking at hunter education and we're looking at uh, community and that's by community. I mean like getting people together. So we run a lot of uh, camps, we call them where we get a guide, an outfit or something like that, um, a place like a hotel or some cabins. And we get a group of people together and we hunt across a weekend. And from that, that's where we get community where we have people that have never met that could live like right around the corner from each other that are now friends and have hunted together. Um, so the next step was we were trying to, we've been doing the same thing for a few years and Damien said, okay, I want to try one of these podcasts out. What do you think? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then, uh, he got a couple of our buddies and the five of us just started. It, it wasn't supposed to be anything more than just the five of us sitting around talking kind of like we're at the campfire, kind of like at the camp after our camps at night, sitting around having a drink and talking. Right. And then it's just kept rolling and we're now on episode 103 and we've had some fantastic guests. So it's been a good time. Yeah. That's the one thing I've, I've gotten from this, this podcast, just how cool it is to get to meet new people, talk to new people, learn new things, uh, get new guests all the time. And, uh, so Dave, how did, I don't, I don't want to bounce around too much, but I want to jump back for one second and ask you about the camps because I saw you guys post about this the other day and what is, where do you guys do fundraising? Like where does all of this come from? No. So the camp is more like if you look at the price of um, of a guide, they're they're lo- you're looking at two hundred and fifty dollars per person per morning, right? Yeah. So what we try to do is we try to get everyone involved. We try to by doing like a bulk group thing, we try to get the price down a bit to make it enjoyable so that anyone can do it. But it's also limited at the same time. Um, we don't make very much at all from doing it. And usually that money goes back into some other form, like some kind of, we do fundraisers for people. Um, we have, we call it a bursary and it's where we actually take one college or university student and they design a sweatshirt. We put it on our site and that person actually gets every, every cent of the profit off of that shirt they get. Um, it's just a way for us to give back. So, a lot of what we're doing is just trying to get back to people, if that kind of makes sense there. Yeah, I, I like the shirt idea. I think that's really cool. I've never thought about that as a fundraising technique, but I I could see where it would be beneficial. That's really cool. Yeah, like we don't make enough. We don't have enough profit-generating stuff to just give. So this was a way that like we could do something and kind of use a little bit of our social media exposure to help someone. Um, and you know, anyone that's gone to college knows like any little bit helps and that's kind of what we're hoping for. Right. Um, we're always looking to try and make sure that someone in the outdoors field or has a passion for the outdoors, something like that. Right. Um, the last couple of years, we've actually had a, a student kind of go into the same program, uh, all outdoor involved. The student from last year is actually now in, I want to say Manitoba doing, um, working with either Delta or Ducks. And they're doing like studying the hatch rates and all that stuff. It, it's pretty neat. So, yeah. yeah, for sure. That's awesome. All right. So, how did you get your start in the outdoors? Like, was it your grandfather or your or your father or you yourself or your mother or you know what? Where did it all come from? And and kind of what what species were you hunting to start? Like, how does everything start for you? No, nope. so. Growing up, um, I grew up on a farm and we didn't have hunting per se. Like we didn't hunt deer or turkeys back then. It was foxes and anything that was like, you know, uh, a problem with our, our livestock or problems with the fields, like the, the groundhogs and stuff. We'd shoot that kind of thing. Um, I never really got into full on hunting until I was 22 years old. Um, I just finished college. I was back home. 
started a full-time job and I said, you know, I really enjoy the outdoors. I really want to try this hunting. And then it was just jumping from, I like shooting my bow. I like shooting guns. So I thought deer hunting would be the one for me. Um, but sitting in a tree stand for long periods of time, just kind of wasn't for me, right? I have ADD kind of thing. Um, and then turkey hunting was super interactive and I loved it. So I was diehard passionate about that for a few years. And then really, um, duck hunting was kind of just one of the ones that I was doing on the side because I didn't fully get the whole experience. Like it was more just going to a river or a creek and just kind of jump shooting. And then that turned into now we're starting to do more and, and the kayak hunting and getting into the mud motors and everything. And it just blew up and it's kind of my, I saved my time off for the fall now because of it. Right. So yeah, I was kind of a late bloomer. Um, my parents, my dad didn't hunt. My parents weren't outdoors people. So I got started late, but I think I'm pretty passionate about it now. So Yeah. And speaking of uh kayak hunting for ducks, um, so when, when during your experience in waterfowl hunting, did you decide, you know, what was the driving factor and when was that? When did you decide, you know what, I need to get a kayak or did you already have one and it just came natural or, or what was that? Yeah. So it was about 10 years ago now that we, we were, um, I had two young kids and, um, we were going to campgrounds all the time. We had a camping trailer and, and I was like, you know, I'd really like uh, a kayak to go on top of the trailer and to take the kids fishing. So then I started looking through, and I saw this picture of a new canoe, and it was the new canoe owner, Blake Young, and he was sitting on the kayak with, I think it was his two kids, there might have been three, or maybe it was his wife and two kids, whatever. And I was like, okay, whatever that is, that's what I want, because I want to be able to take both of my kids. So then... I started looking around and I found a new canoe F12, the Frontier 12. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'm going to go with this and we'll take that fishing. Anytime that we go to a different campground, I have something I can fish with. It goes on top of the truck, no problem. So we did that. Um, so for the first couple of years, I just used it as a fishing tool, right? And then that evolved into, well, you know, I, I want to get across this little marsh and I have all these decoys and my blind, I can stack it all on my new canoe and I can walk it across and it'll float. I won't have to carry it all and make a couple trips. So I did that for a few years and then that turned into, I was, um, I was looking for a fishing, I don't, I don't even know what to call it, like the, a spool holder for the kayak. And I went on the sale website and I searched new canoe and I saw a duck blind. And then I was just like, oh, it basically makes your kayak into a Leo blind. So I bought it, put it on, grasped it up. And it's just from there, I went full fill. And that's been my favorite thing. It's just going out in the kayak. I can go solo with just one or if I have two so I can take a buddy or other guys have them and we can go out. And anywhere that you can find water, where there's ducks you can take these things and that's kind of where it evolved and i went through everything like i had um i had a 18 foot or 17 foot duck boat with a 35 horsepower mud motor surface drive on it and i liked it but i didn't anytime i found myself waking up going i think i'd rather kayak hunt today especially if i was alone but if it was just me and one other person i'd rather just take the kayak too because you don't have to get up as early and go to a boat ramp. You can go anywhere that you have water access. So that's kind of where that all started, right? Yeah, and that seems like, uh, you know, some of the major advantages and disadvantages is something I had kind of thrown on the show sheet, and you've already went through a few of them. That seems like the big one to me. That's what drew me to it uh, from the outside in. I actually wasn't even in the mindset to get a kayak. I bought it, just so everyone knows, I I bought an Ascend H12, a hybrid sit-in canoe kayak hybrid. And um, I wasn't going to go that route. 
you know, I hunted hunted with my good friend Andrew, uh, who has a a w- nice War Eagle boat with a ninety horse tiller on it, and we hunt the Chesapeake Bay and the Upper Chesapeake Bay most of the time. And we'd get it, we'd drop in in one ramp, and we'd haul ass across the bay, and you know, we'd set up on a blind spot that we had to call in Wednesday a hundred times. You got to call. I'm not even kidding. You got to call and call and call and call, and it's always on hold. And then you finally get through, and they're like, sorry, you can't have blind 23. Okay, well, I want 25. You can't have 25. Okay, well, I want 31. Nope, you can't have 31. Which one's open? Actually, none of them are open. Sorry about your luck. Like that That's how it seemed every time. And so I still was going to get a boat. I wanted to get a boat for myself. And I just happened to stumble upon this Facebook page, Kayak Duck Hunting. And I followed it because i wanted to see what this was all about and uh ever since then i've been like obsessed with the idea of being able to take that thing wherever i want to (laughs) yeah exactly and like with a bow even the used market now like the used market is oh yeah (laughs) expensive and plus the maintenance and all that upkeep and and you know and you've got that much bigger boat that you've got to now hide it and get to where you're going and make sure there's room for it. Uh, fuel fuel prices are, too. <laughs> yeah, fuel prices, right? This kayak, like you can take that on the top of your Subaru WRX, go to a, where you're hunting, put it in the water, paddle it wherever you're going, and lay in it like a layout blunt. And you know, it's it, it's something now that it also became more of like I had. I don't know, 15, 20 dozen floaters. And now I'm down to like two sets of two dozen, right? And it's just depending on early season, late season divers kind of thing. But with the big boat, I wanted to have huge spreads and all this other stuff and goose floaters and this and that. And now it's, it's a simplistic, a more simplistic way of hunting I found. So, Well, what do you think? There's plenty of advantages you've talked about. When you're out there and hunting, and it doesn't matter the temperature, time of year, whatever, wind conditions. What what is the the biggest disadvantage or a few of the biggest disadvantages in your opinion? Are there ever times that you're like gritting your teeth wishing you had a boat? Um, I think when so my son's able to hunt now and the reason that I held on so long with the big boat was because I was like, you know what, I want to take both my kids out and their friends and have all this room and be able to teach them. So not, ha- not being able to take out a-, a bunch of people at the same time is kind of like, you're kind of limited to yourself on a kayak doing it the layout style. And anyone that you want to go with either has to have their own kayak or some other form. So I think that's the only real disadvantage in my mind. Um, I guess when it's like, you have to know your, your, conditions but really if the conditions are too bad you're not going to take your boat out either right so that's that's kind of the big one if you don't have all that space on the boat you know make your breakfast on the griddle and all that stuff that's that's my biggest disadvantage but well i mean too many advantages yeah see i i don't even i've never and this is i think probably twice in a blind we've made breakfast other otherwise like i don't know if we've ever made and I've hunted since, you know, I was 14 years old or something. Like, I I don't think I've ever made waterfowl. I don't think I've ever made breakfast in a blind or anything like that. Maybe I'm missing out. But for me, that's not even a thing. So it it's never, that's not not even a, a factor for me. Um, and we have a local lake up here that I'm going to be able to get into. And uh, just like you were saying, instead of having to go to a boat ramp. Now, granted, there are you know, four or five drop-in ramps there. But uh, I won't even have to go to boat ramps. I'll be able to, uh, with the lightweight blind, that, that I, I'd build a homemade blind on mine. And with the lightweight blind I put on there, I'll be able to pull that thing in by myself from 30 different spots around the lake. And instead of having to yeah. paddle halfway across the lake to get to a spot I want to get to, I can just drop in from the side of the road. Yeah, Exactly. So anywhere that you have access from the road to get in, you're you're going to be able to hunt, and it's so it's pretty awesome. 
Now I did say like, you don't have to get up as early to get to the boat ramp because you have to travel back further. But at the same time, I find myself still getting up that early and dropping my kayak in so that I can get to the good spot. Right. So take it or leave it. That's kind of the way I'm, I go with it. How, how far do you live from where you hunt? I'm about 35 minute drive from where my main hunting spot is. If I, um, if I drive from my house to Haver to Grace, Maryland in the upper Chesapeake, it takes me almost two hours. So, so I'm used to getting up early, getting up early doesn't bother me a bit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so if, if the yeah. kayak makes me get up a tad earlier or the same time, that does not matter. Yeah. No, I, no, I was saying you, because like for me, I have to drive an extra like 10 minutes, five minutes at least to get to the boat ramp and then spend the time, you know, putting the plugs in, starting the motor, getting it warmed up, backing it in, having someone hold it, drive, park the truck, get in the boat. Once it's all warmed up, go, right? You've got all that time that you have to go with the boat that you don't have to do with the kayak. You kind of just slide the kayak to the water, put all your stuff on and paddle. And I can also, there's like a little, I want to say like a path through the bush that you can get to the good spot that I would be taking the the big John boat to from the boat ramp. So it's, it's a lot closer and I don't have to paddle as far. Right. So it's, it's good. How do you haul your, you have the new canoes, which uh, for anybody listening who doesn't know the N U C A C A N O E new canoe brand itself is kind of the cream of the crop when it comes to, stable hunting boats or kayaks i think that's pretty much what everybody wants but most people can't afford but it's they're not most people but people can't afford them but they they're like the cream of the crop they're they're damn near two thousand dollars i think nowadays but they um they're kind of a bigger wider canoe in terms of or kayak in terms like the ascend h12 like i have is a little bit narrower than what you have. So when you haul yours with the blind and everything, how do you haul those? Yeah. So what I do with mine is, um, if I'm going solo, I'll throw it in the back of the truck, um, with the tailgate up. Right. But what I do is I take the blind off and I roll it up. Um, and then when I'm, when I have it rolled up, I put it in those extra large, uh, the duck, like the decoy bags, those mesh decoy bags. I'll roll the blind up and I'll put them in one of those mesh decoy bags. And then I find what I'll do is I'll, when I take the kayak out of the back of the truck, I will put the mesh bag, depending on how I'm hunting, but nine times out of 10, I'm hunting in shallow enough water that I can paddle to where I'm going and then put the blind on wherever I like set up my decoys, put the, put the blind on right there. Right. So that's how I used to do it. Um, I just recently switched to, uh, I got a fully enclosed trailer, so I'm putting the kayaks and all my decoys and my field spread all in that now, just for ease and for my wife's sanity, so that there's not hunting stuff everywhere. <laughs> yeah, actually, I I've been I wanted to ask because I've been thinking about um, the, obviously, like I told you before, the the kayak build is new this summer for me. The blind is just about done. I got probably one more good night this week on that. And then I have some other things to do. I do have a trolling motor that uh, my dad's always had boats. Uh, so he just picked up another boat that had a couple of trolling motors with it. And he asked me if I wanted one. And so I do have the availability of doing that. That may be something I look into. But other than that, like the, the thing is, is damn near done uh, when it comes to staying hidden. And so because of that, I've been like, man, how can I put this thing on a trailer? And then the more I look at all the time I put into the blind, the more I'm like, I don't know if I went on my brush and my material getting beat up by the wind. So I almost think even if I make a trailer, it still has to have some sort of wind guard or windshield on the front of it. Cause I, I can't, you know, obviously be letting it get beat up before I go hunting every day. So, um, I think the enclosed trailer is a, a genius idea. Yeah. It, it was just something that 
I'm making it so that when we move or when buddies move, I can easily take all my hunting stuff out. But at the same time, we don't have to have like the garage full of hunting stuff plus a shed in the backyard plus some stuff in the basement, some stuff in the in the upstairs. Like it's just one easy location for all my stuff. And then I'm trying to like simplify what I actually have. Like I don't need the the goose full body goose decoys anymore. I, I don't need this. I don't you know. That was kind of where that came from. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm actually envisioning right now like waiters hanging up on the inside and decoy bags and man i'm a sucker for organization and so now i'm kind of jealous now i kind of want one so my wife might not be happy with me in the next two weeks anyway (laughs) we can we can talk a little bit about some uh some I, i wonder i want to talk a little bit about some tips and tricks that over the years that you have learned in the last 10 years you know eight years however long it's been utilizing the kayak to hunt with and uh so first off i I wrote down like which brand canoe that or kayak that you utilize that's new canoe um from the jump you said that you realized that it was stable and it could hold a lot of weight is there anything else about the new canoe and obviously i have the ascends it don't make me feel too bad but the new canoe, like, is there is there anything when you're hunting about that that is just a game changer for you? Man, the stability is the game changer, right? Like, that is, of all the things, that was the biggest thing is that I know I'm stable, and I know because I take my kids hunting too, I know that theirs is stable. Like, it's wide enough. I'm not too worried about them. Um, another big advantage is they make the blinds for their new canoes specific to their model. It's like if you buy a Frontier 12, they have a Frontier 12 duck blind. If you buy an unlimited, they have an unlimited duck blind. So it it fits perfectly, right? So that that is another huge advantage I found, if that makes sense. Um, and then another thing that I love about new canoe is the the brand itself, like their, their customer service. Um, I had an issue with one of the rails. It was It was my own fault. Um, but I had an issue and I called them. I'm like, Hey, what do I do? And they, they sent me some stuff to fix it and told me how and what to do. And if I needed more help, they gave me their number. Like, so that their customer service was great. And that's where the new canoe kind of stuck with me when I bought the second one. So. Right on. And, uh, so I, I saw pictures of your blind and, and what I'll do is actually, I've already put it together, but I'll have, like a cover Instagram and Facebook post that I'll put up um, for when this comes out next Wednesday. And your kayak, when people see this thing, they're going to be like, what the hell? Like I've put up videos and pictures of mine and mine doesn't touch in terms of camouflage. Mine is not what yours is. What camo do you utilize? Like what camo system? Um, Is that a raffia grass or something? Yeah, that's just your plain old raffia grass, like the same stuff that you'd put on uh, on a big boat. Uh, I had a bunch left over when I did my uh, the beaver tail on my last boat, and so I put it on my first my Frontier Twelve when I got the blind for that, and then just did the whole thing in it. And I was like, oh, that worked perfectly. Um, now the way I did it, I'm mean, if you go on our uh, Punisher Waterfowl YouTube, you can actually see how I did mine. And the reason I did mine that way is that when I go somewhere to hunt, I can also still tuck in some local vegetation to make, make myself hide a little bit more. Um, but there are guys that take the raffia and instead of tying the raffia onto the, to the actual blind itself, they'll use uh, zip ties to make the raffia go in different directions and it makes it look a little bit more chaotic, but it, it kind of, I like the look of it too. Right. So that's something to look for. Yeah. That's how I did mine. Um, I, I use the blind grass camo systems, uh, some of their synthetic grasses, and I weave them in and out, but I, I also zip tie the raffia on just to make it a little bit more permanent, make it hold up a little better, and like you said, kind of break things up a little more. Um, yeah. do, do you use, do you paddle all the time, or do you have a trolling motor that you use sometimes, or no? No, I always paddle. Um I haven't found a need to use a trolling motor. 
Um, okay, that's good news. <laughs> yeah, like there are times when you're, you know, the wind kicks up and you're going, because uh, if you're in a secluded area and the wind kicks up, you're not too worried about waves, but that wind can still push on you a little bit. But at the same time, you're, you're paddling. Um, now, when you add on, like if I have my dog on behind me and my um, two dozen decoys and a, and a mojo and all that other stuff, you get a bit of weight on there, plus it's 36 inches wide. Paddling can be tough at times, but I've never found it unmanageable, if that makes sense. Yeah, I was actually, I haven't talked to anybody about this yet, and I was a little bit nervous about, the, so I know I've, I've had canoes and kayaks and stuff before in the past, and I've utilized them on rivers and things, but I've never put a blind on and tried to do all of that with decoy weight you know what i mean and i i i've been nervous and the new canoe i I don't know the difference between how mine will paddle and how yours will or yours does but i just i've been like worried sick that this blind and all my decoys that's another thing do do you use a certain style or type of decoy like, are you using lifetime decoys because they're lightweight? Are you using like green heads? Yep. Yep. I'm using the lifetime. Um, they're for the weight of them, especially using a kayak. Like if you're in a big boat uh, and you go to throw them out without weights in them, sometimes they'll be upside down. Right. But in the kayak, you're either shallow enough that you can hand put them in or you can kind of, as you're kayaking, you can drop them. Right. So, the worry of them being upside down isn't there when you take the weights out of them. So they're super, super light. Um, and then on top of that, because I take out so many new hunters, I needed to make sure that like the decoys would last. Right. So I didn't want just any plain plastic decoys and the lifetime decoys are, they're basically the cross foam. So when, and it, it does happen when people accidentally shoot them, you're going to have some pellets in it, but it's not going to be a destroyed decoy. So, it's that's kind of the second benefit to them right oh i never thought about um, that yeah okay i got you yeah but going back like one thing when we're talking about paddling your kayak um just a big tip like don't get a nice light carbon fiber like racing kayak racing paddle um what i tend to do is i have like a big bulky aluminum paddle and the reason for that is like when I get into a marshy area, if there's a stump or a stone or something, I'll actually push to kind of, I use it kind of like a, a push pull at the same time as using it as a paddle. So if you have like a carbon fiber one or, or like one of those flimsier ones and you tried to do that, it wouldn't work so well. It might break, right? But the big, those big solid uh, all aluminum ones, I find I can push them and, and I can push myself around when I'm out there. So just that's just one thing that I noticed, right? Yeah, I almost feel like it. Now that you're saying that, I almost feel like sometimes the trolling motor, unless you were hunting like a a deeper, like a reservoir or a rockier area, otherwise you're probably going to beat that trolling motor up pretty good if you get into some shallow water too. Yeah, and that's that's just kind of why I haven't tried it. Now, that being said, I saw a video of a guy with a new canoe. And he has one of those um, a mud motor on it. That kind of piqued my interest, just because I like my motors, right? So I might have to build one of those. <laughs> oh yeah, a little mud motor on a new canoe would be pretty sweet, and you wouldn't even you wouldn't need a lot with two and a half horsepower or something, and get it around yeah. really good. Yeah, I think I think it'd be pretty neat. So that's that's my project for next summer, right? All right. So when when you're hunting. This is another one of my big questions. How do you anchor off when you get where you're going? Um, so the main spot that I hunt is actually shallow enough that I almost nine times out of ten I'll pull my pull my kayak up kind of like onto the onto the mud and use it like a layout at the side of the creek there. Um, it. I don't anchor so much anymore with in that way. Um, sometimes what I do find myself doing, like if I'm using a jerk rig, I, I'll find myself um, 
taking like a two foot pole, just take like a two foot um, piece of conduit, like go get some three quarter inch conduit, and I'll put that through the scupper holes to kind of like hold myself in place, right? Um, and that's mainly just because like when you're using that jerk rig, anytime you pull on that jerk rig, you're going to pull yourself towards it. So I, oh, I, yeah. in with, I got, I get exactly what right. you mean. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that the first time I was out and I was like, okay, I even, I was set up on like really, really shallow water, but anytime that the water would kind because the water level fluctuates a little bit, right? So anytime the water level would fluctuate a little bit up, I'd find myself pulling myself towards the jerk rig and I was like oh okay so that's where I came up with putting um, a couple of those uh, piece of conduit through the scupper holes uh, originally I was thinking I was thinking of putting like an eight foot chunk in and then putting my um, putting my spinning wing decoy up there but I didn't want to draw attention to myself right that's why I just put so when I made my uh when I made my spinning wing decoy poles, I just took 10 foot conduit, cut two foot off, and I had an eight foot pole there. So the extra two feet, I just used that as kind of like the, the stay holder through my scupper plug, scupper holes. Right? Yeah, yeah, I, I um, want to put spud poles on. on uh, see, the, the Ascend doesn't have scupper holes or anything, but I want to put some brackets on the outside of mine because I'm in t- tidal marshes. I, I need to yeah. be able to jam it and then pull it if I need to move the kayak, obviously, in a tidal situation. So, yeah, that's kind of just the same as you're saying, the same system. That's kind of the way I'm leaning. Yeah, and I do that too, like the spud pools where you, where you put them in the ground and you tie yourself off to it. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I hunt with my dog, that's how I do it, is the back of the, like on the transom, I'll, put, I'll tie it to the transom there that way, and that way there's nothing in because the scupper plugs are, are kind of right where the dog is. So I, I put one of those spud poles in and tie myself off. I use, I don't run a jerk rig when the dog is out just because that's another line that it can get tangled with. And so that's kind of the way I do it with the dog. When you shoot, do you ever catch the, the canoe or kayak swing or is it pretty stable? Um, I think it's pretty stable. Like I've never, I don't really hunt in the big wave areas. Um, kind of the area I'm in is secluded. So we don't get the big waves. You'll get a little bit of shrink and swell, but you're kind of, you'll kind of get used to it and you'll get used to shooting from, from where you're at. Uh, it's really hard to explain, but it's not something that I, if, if it's, if the waves are big enough that it's going to interrupt your shooting that way, then it's maybe getting borderline sketchy to be out there. Who knows, right? I haven't had an issue with that, no. no that's and good, again, maybe that's that's good to hear, excuse. too. <laughs> yeah, but maybe that's a good excuse for why my shooting so bad, right? Like, <laughs> Well, I, I I, mean, I think everybody deals with that. I don't think. But I yeah. I just, it's, it's like when we hunt tidal water, especially on the Chesapeake, and you're not in a, in a stream or a river, or some sort of tributary to the bay. If you actually get out along the bay, I mean, even a you know, you know, eighteen twenty foot war eagle can beat your brains out sometimes. And uh, the tidal yeah. water can really take a toll on you out there. And um, I I know that I know that I'll have to change the way that I hunt in an overall sense. But I'm super excited to get into this thing and get hunting because I used. I started hunting waterfowl in a layout blind in corn in farm fields around here, around where I grew up. We laid in fields with 10 dozen goose decoys and shot at big honkers. And now I, I fell like t- eight, 10 years ago, I fell in love with duck hunting because I love yep. the challenge. I love I, one. I love the water. I'm a water person Two, I love the challenge of ducks and I love the speed of ducks and three I love the diversity of ducks we don't get a lot of migrating honkers around here at least not the opportunity on them but if I go to the Chesapeake Bay I get opportunity on migratory honkers big honkers but I also get opportunity on 20 different duck species 
if it's if it's December or January. So I really fell in love with you know the whole aura of duck hunting and the history and and what it is. And I'm so excited now to be able to go out on this kayak and hunt layout style, but in skinny water and in shallow water in uh, against fragmite or against reeds or cattails and set up to shoot teals this early season. You know what I mean? So I'm just, I'm like really excited to get layout hunting again, just from a boat this time. Yeah. And, and two of the big things I always say is the waterfowl industry, like look at the amount of things that are collectible and the things that are like hand-me-downs from generation to generation in the duck hunting world, you don't find that in many other hobbies, right? Like you've got people who collect duck calls, people who collect guns, people who collect decoys. Like it's all kinds of stuff there. And so that's kind of, it's a huge thing. And Oh, around yeah, here, now, the heritage is, is the, with the Chesapeake Bay and, I'm sitting here staring at, you know, I'm sitting here staring at the Outlaw Gunner book, which is a great book, by the way, if you've never read that. But that is that is literally firsthand accounts from guys who shot canvas backs till their gun barrels exploded, like and sold them at market in New York and in Baltimore. And decoys are insane around here. And I'm not just talking price. I mean, like people will fight you over a Madison Mitchell redhead or a canvas back or so it's it is such a serious sport steeped in tradition whereas deer and then this is kind of a we're going off on a tangent but deer hunting and i i've always been a deer hunter and i've always been a turkey hunter and i've always been a waterfowl hunter and i i've upland hunted and i i grew up the reason this is mountain and marsh is because i grew I, my ashes will be spread half of it on the eastern shore and half of it in Augusta County, Virginia on the mountain because I grew up hunting on the mountain, shooting deer and turkey, and I and I grew up saltwater fishing and, and then over the years duck hunting on the Chesapeake Bay, eastern shore of Maryland and Virginia, and and turkey hunting everywhere, both both locations. And I think waterfowl hunting in terms of tradition and everything because i've been in all of it and i still am i think and i love it all but i think tradition wise just as you said there's just something with waterfowl hunting that's a little bit different than everything else yeah and and on top of that like you look at look at deer hunting like you talk people talk about their deer camps right the goal they'll sit in their stand for two or three hours and then go back to camp and have lunch together and then do their afternoon sit and then go back to the camp and have their social time with duck hunting. You can actually have your social time in the blind. Like you can make your food out there and you can talk a bit and you can have a bit of fun. And then when you see the birds, you start calling them. That's when everyone shuts up and gets serious. Right. But other than that, like you're sitting in that duck blind and you've got the social side of it, which also makes it good for like teaching new hunters and teaching youth hunters and that, that's kind of where like everything about duck hunting just it spoke to me and that's that's the biggest thing the tradition and the and the social side of it right so yeah th- there's been uh many times in the middle of the rut that i have sat and uh watched spike bucks walk around me at 9 a.m while i have to shit and not get out of my tree stand until after dark and be miserable all day because of it but i'm not getting out of that tree stand because it's the rut and there's never a time waterfowl hunting where I have to force myself to do dumb things like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. 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 That's, that's the, that's definitely like, like I said, around here, it's, it's, uh, it's funny how deep the, and, and it's up there too, up, up where you're at too, but like just how deep the tradition of, of waterfowl hunting is and what it means to so many. And that's why it is such a big deal that, guys like you over at you know at punisher waterfowl you guys putting these camps on and things like that how big of a deal it is because people don't realize that this sport white-tailed deer won't disappear turkeys might disappear and ducks might disappear white-tailed deer won't disappear so it it takes 
they thrive. I don't know. I, I work in the DC Baltimore area and I don't know how, but you would be surprised at the amount of times I've seen 150 inch 10 point bucks on a quarter acre of woods in the middle of Baltimore city. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. But like, you know, ducks can disappear. And it's, so what you guys do is, is a pretty big deal. Uh, like I said, ta- tangent over, but it's what you guys do is a pretty big deal, man. Yeah. Thanks. I oh, appreciate that. Yeah. And, uh, before we, uh, we get any, any farther, uh, what's some, um, some must have gear. Now, obviously a lot of this pertains to the kayak that you have. Uh, but you know, what's some gear that you have to take with you, no matter what, you know, whenever you're going, these are the little things that you need. Uh, so one of the major things, one of the major things is, um, I always make sure of safety, right? So your, your PFD number one, um, like your life jacket, right? But number two, tie off your gun. Those guns are super expensive. Um, you want to make sure that you have some kind of sling or tie off that you can tie your gun off. Now, when I say tie your gun off, don't tie it to yourself because if you ever tipped over, that thing becomes an anchor for you, right? So what I do, um, the new canoes themselves have those uh, rail tracks on the side of the, on either side. I actually tie them off onto there, just some paracord onto my gun. That's another major thing. Um, and then another thing that I like to wear, and maybe it's just me being crazy, but when I'm in my kayak, like the kind of, upper torso sits out of the blind. So I got one of those leafy suits from uh, first light and I wear that when I'm hunting and I don't, I think it makes a difference. It probably doesn't, but um, I wear one just to kind of conceal my upper body when I'm, cause I sit out of my blind a little bit. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, the way, the way mine is actually set up, I was sitting in it last night, thinking I'm probably going to stick up out of this thing. So I'm, I'm glad yeah. you just said that. Cause now I'm going to order a leafy suit. <laughs> yeah. And they're, you know what, like a leafy suit, ghillie suit. It kind of just adds a little bit more. Um, another thing that I did was, um, I take the seats out of my boat and I put in, there's all kinds of different ones. Um, the one that I use is the, uh, Momarsh Invisalounger. And it's basically like a two inch foam pad that when you sit on it, it gives you a little bit of a backrest, but it puts you as low as you possibly can get inside of your kayak, right? So instead of having a seat, I just sit on that. How do how do you paddle on it? Do you sit up on the, the back of it? I'll, I'll kind of sit on my knees. Like I'll, I'll put my knees on the deck and, and paddle that way. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, don't, I won't okay. use a seat. Yeah. So that's how I do it anyway. Right on. So that's, those are a few things there that I, I still need to get. So it's great to hear. Um, when, so you tie off your gun. I, th- I thought I saw something the other day that somebody else was tying off too. Is there anything, or, oh, the, uh, the paddle. Do, does your paddle float or do you tie that off or how's that work? Yeah, my paddle floats. Um, it floats long enough anyway that I'll grab it. Um, and when I say tie your gun off, tie all your stuff off, like get a floating bag for when you're traveling. But, um, like, like, yeah. Anyway, when you're actually hunting, like if you're hunting in deeper water and there's a risk of tipping, that gun could go in the water and then you're looking at getting someone to scuba dive to get your gun back out. Right. Whereas if you just have like two foot of paracord tied to your boat, tied to your gun, it, it works pretty, pretty flawlessly. Thank heavens I haven't fallen in yet, so I don't have to worry about, I haven't had to worry about that, but just in case, right? You can never be too prepared. Yeah. Do you, in, in order to get all of your stuff out, I notice a lot of people using, um, oh, the, the trailers, what do they call the, uh, the containers that people, yes, jet sleds. Do you, do you utilize a jet sled? No. So I have, um, all my decoys, I have two dozen decoys in just one carry bag. 
So what I'll do is I'll I'll put the new canoe out, and then I'll put on the front, I'll put um, the blind that's all rolled up, and on top of that, I'll put my two dozen decoys, and then I'll sit with the actual um, the Momarsh pad and the gun beside me, and my backpack either in front of me or behind me depends if I'm taking my dog or not. If I'm taking my dog, then the, the pack goes in front of me and the dog goes behind me. And then I'll paddle that way. Um, I'll also, like, a lot of kayaks, my my Frontier 12 and my Unlimited both have a, rod, like, a paddle holder on both sides. Those paddle holders work perfectly to hold your, if you take the three-quarter conduit and use that as your, as your robo duck, like your mojo duck, um, pole, those will actually fit in the, in the rod, in the paddle holders. So I put one of those on each side and then I paddle out. That's kind of how I get out there. Okay. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Um, so for lighting, how, how do you, uh, do you use a floodlight or how, how do you see when you're paddling out in the dark? So I have, I just use the headlamp. And then I have like a big, um, like a boat light, like a handheld boat light, just in case. Um, where I hunt, I've hunted there so often that I don't really worry when I go to get out there. Um, but that being said, like, if you're going to be hunting in a kayak, make sure you look up your, your regulations with regards to using a kayak. Like, if it's nighttime, you have to have attached lighting. You have to have what stuff you have to have in your kayak. To be legal, you have to have um, your boat registration number on the side. Like, look up that. Make sure you look up that for your state or or province, right? Yeah, where I'm located in Pennsylvania, I have to register my kayak. In Maryland, which is where I'm originally from, uh, you know, when I hunt and fish down there out of a kayak, they don't care at all. They're like, yeah, just take it out and paddle around but pennsylvania i guess needed another set of revenue so they <laughs> they made you register kayaks and stuff too so yeah that's a good word of advice because it is different everywhere yeah and and like some places if, if you have a, a size of motor on it or or there's different regulations and especially with like you're going to find that once you start hunting your area and then you see how easy it is you're going to go to another area to hunt with your kayak, like in another state, make sure you look at the, the regulations for that state as well, like with regards to your, your vessel. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. It, that, just like here, I, I think it's all different. Um, I know like you don't need running lights and uh, I know I, you, you don't need, you can, you need a headlight, a headlight or some sort of bright light to get around here, but you don't need your navigation lights. But as soon as you put even a 55 pound thrust trolling motor on in Pennsylvania, you need to then have navigation lights. So yeah, it's, it's definitely wonky. You definitely got to really watch what the rules and regulations are for sure. Yeah. And that's another thing. Like I don't use the trolling motor because of the weight, right? Like, you start adding, you put a trolling motor and a battery and then all your decoys and, and your mojos and your this and your that. Like I try to keep it as minimalistic as possible. That's my big thing. Um, yeah, just when you mentioned trolling motor there, I thought I'd, I'd point that part out too, is that you got to have that battery and you got to, you still have to take your paddle because if your battery dies or the motor dies, you have to be able to paddle back. So that's, kind of another reason why I just use the paddle. Yeah. The, the more you talk, the more I'm thinking that I'm not even going to put a trolling motor on it. Um, the only issue I may have is I, I did put solid PVC three quarter PVC doors on it. And I don't know if I can get on my knees and paddle around them. So I may have to, uh, redo, or reconfigure something. Maybe I'll figure out something where I can take my doors on and off, something like that. But yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I'm super pumped. Um, I I think this is about to be my my next favorite thing that I that I get to do now. Um, I I think the kayak duck hunting is going to be a boatload of fun. 
And um, so to end this thing off, I want to, um, I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, is there anything you guys are doing this year or anything with the, you know, the future of Punisher Waterfowl and, and the crew? Uh, is there anything you'd like to go over before we get off here? Yeah, we're going to, um, we're actually going to hopefully launch another camp here. The, the first one sold out pretty quickly. So we're going to try and do another one. Um, and with that, we're, we're going to expand a little bit with the YouTube. Um, we're going to try and do more review videos and more actual videos hunting in the field and try and get some more educational videos out there. Like we're, we're trying to help people learn this because it's, it's just something we want to see more people because the more people that get into the waterfowl community, then they start going to the Delta dinners or the DU dinners or just like supporting any of those organizations that they put back into the waterfowl or you know what maybe they just they're hunting a farmer's property and they say they put up some duck boxes or nesting like they start looking after more so the more recruitment we can have into this the more sustainable this is going to be for my grandchildren my great-grandchildren you know stuff like that so that's we're trying to push into that and get more education out there and help more people get into this hobby so that's we're trying to expand on it more um so yeah if you if you check us out on the youtube it's the punisher waterfowl punisher podcast union 0430 podcast um we're on there have a look if you see something if you have any questions reach out uh punisher waterfowl on instagram or on facebook um yeah if we don't know the answer we will get it for you that's for sure so. Well, I was, I'm very appreciative of you coming on here. Um, I'm glad that I learned so much from you today, and I got a lot of good <laughs> tips. To I'm getting ready to go in here to the house after we get done with this. I'm going to make a make an order up and uh, purchase some things I need to purchase. And uh, so I appreciate you coming on. I think everybody else is going to appreciate it, and uh, I appreciate what you guys do over at Punisher. I think that conservation and that whole aspect is something that gets lost in all the, the BS, you know, one of the reasons that I tell everybody that, you know, one of the reasons I started this podcast was because I thought that majority of media outlets for the hunting world, no matter what it was, if it was waterfowl, deer, turkeys, bear, whatever it was, I just thought everything followed these strict media stricken guidelines and uh you know what you guys do is for real and that's that's why i do what i do is because i wanted it to be for real and i wanted people to be able to connect and see what this life really is you know that it's not always limits you know it's it's not all it's it's just enjoying the outdoors and it's just enjoying the hunt and so i think you guys do that too and I, and i appreciate that as well yeah, thanks. And that's that's hopefully something that we can do, and and I think that's something. Just as you were saying, it's kind of been lost in the the YouTube world, where people want to show off how great they are at hunting, so they only show them getting limits, and they only show them making perfect shots, and you don't see their misses, and you don't see their their non success stories, and you know what? That's part of it, but that's why it's called hunting and not just killing. You know, so that's yeah. Yeah, it's 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 more. It should be more about f the fun and the camaraderie than it really is now. And uh, you know, I'm scared for yeah. what my kids might think down the road. And so, yeah. I I think everybody appreciates what you guys do. But thanks for getting on here, man. Um, I I'm I'm very like I said I'm, I I learned a ton from you today, Dave. So you have a good yeah. one, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Yeah, you have a good one. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll talk to you later on. Uh, see you.